Hello everybody, welcome to Eminem Podcasts. I'm your host Matt Nicoletti. Michael is unable to join us today, but as always we have the guru of Canberra football, Russ Gibbs. Russ, how's it going today? I'm very good, thanks Matt. I'm disappointed Michael can't join us tonight. The trio has been knocked down to a duo for one week. We'll, uh, we'll, get, we'll get it sorted uh, next week, I'm sure. However, uh, as always, we are here to talk Canberra football. Today, the main issue or the main uh, info we are doing is, of course, MPL2. However, we have some more news, and that is the draw. Russ, do you want to talk to us about the games uh, you're most excited about and the ones you're going to be uh, covering in MPL1? Yeah, given given uh, that it's going to be signed off, hopefully, in the week, um, in terms of our commentary matches for uh, the first round of the season, um, we'll be kicking off with Bar TV at O'Connor on Saturday, the 18th of July, Canberra Olympic versus Belconnen United, with myself and Frank Keisha uh, behind the microphone. They're really looking forward to seeing those two teams with new coaches at the helm. Um, getting involved and then on Sunday we'll look at the grand final winners Garland United one of the favourites for the title against Word and Western FC at the AIS synthetic field Lachlan Roberts and myself will be behind the mic for that one so two big matches to start the season uh, and teams with new coaches new setups new players it's a really exciting time to be back on the football field massive matches and just to round off that uh, that first round we have Minara versus Canberra Croatia at Riverside at 5.30 on Saturday and then we have Tigers versus Tagarong down there in Kuma. Big, big matches to start. And then we've got the women's, where there is Belconnen versus Monaro Panthers at Hawker. Saturday, 18th of July, 3 p.m. We've got Gungalan versus Olympic. Sunday, 3 p.m. Uh, then we've got Tagaranong, United versus Canberra United Academy at Canberra. 3.10 p.m. on Sunday. And then we've got Woden Western versus Canberra Croatia at Melrose Synthetic, 3.15. Wagga City <laughs> nearly had a mic disruption there. <laughs> and then we have Wagga City who have the bye. Uh, anything that um, sticks out to you there, Russ, before we... We'll, we'll go into more detail on these games next week, but anything else that sticks out? Would it be try if I say all of them? It's been such a long time <laughs> since we've had a chance to, to talk about football and watch some football. I'm really excited to see everybody back on the park. Um, looking forward to seeing how the teams with new coaches... Um, set out their stalls and looking to see how the teams that, that finished near the top of the table last year um, are going to be shot at by the teams a bit lower down. Really excited to see um, last week Monero Panthers uh, play a game of football against White Eagles and put in a really good performance. Jimmy Canarides' team, young and enthusiastic. Um, lots of goal-scoring talent in that squad and they're one of the sides I expect will do well. But, you know, just really excited to get everybody back out there and talking and watching football again. Indeed, we are all excited for football to be back. Now, let's get into the MPL2. We'll start with just, we'll quickly mention what the first round fixtures are, and then we'll go into more detail on the teams in terms of their pre-season, COVID season uh, trainings and whatnot. So we have Narrabunda versus Western Malongolo to kick things off, 3 p.m. Saturday at Narrabunda's home ground, and uh, Boom Manula. Oval, and then we've got Wagga City versus ANU at Gissing Oval in Wagga, and then we've got Canberra White Eagles versus O'Connor. Big match there from Woden Park in close 3 p.m. on Saturday, and then we've got Brindabella Blues versus Ulgali at Corwell 6:25 on Saturday, and then Queanbeyan City with the bye. Now um, let's start with ANU, shall we? In terms of our preseason preparations. So, of course, ANU's manager, Jim Dawson, 
Oh, actually, sorry, I forgot to mention. Table, Southern Tablelands have pulled out of the competition. I believe Capital Football have told most of the sides in any of any competition that it's all right if you don't participate this season. You won't. That won't affect next season. Is that correct? From what you've heard as well? Yeah, from what I've heard from Southern Tablelands, last year they had players playing on Saturday, Sunday, um, which is really hard to do. They're, the younger element there is is not turned up to play apparently, and um, the older guys can't really get the legs moving for Saturday, Sunday. So they just this season they've taken a back seat and um, hopefully we'll see them back in capital football competition again next year because they add a little bit to the competition as well, as do all our interstate sides, especially in that NPL2 competition. Indeed, and on to ANU. Of course, they won the grand final last season. They finished third in the table. Jim Dawson is their coach. And, of course, uh, you would remember quite well, Russ. Them, along with Narrabunda, were, of course, supposed to be the first official match of the season with the FFA Cup match uh, when the ban was announced. What do you remember from that day? Well, I remember the day the, the really well because we were prepared to go. The TV cameras were ready to go. We would had the commentary notes all ready to go. And it was only about lunchtime on that day that they pulled the pin on that fixture. And, you know, we were champing at the bit to get out there then. And that was months and months ago. And I think both those teams would have been prepared and ready for that match. And now they have to wait till Saturday to get to get themselves to Saturday week, I should say, to get their official season underway. But... Um, I think ANU themselves uh, last year were, were class above. Um, they were brilliant. Uh, they should have won the competition, I think. They lost on the final Saturday, um, and it was a, a little bit of a, um, a, a reshuffle of the table and they ended third, which was probably not where they would have ended um, had they uh, been switched on for the entire season. But they, they certainly turned it on in the finals, and their performance in the grand final where they saw off O'Connor 5-1, which we showed on Bar TV, was brilliant. Um, they got some great players there, and... Their uh, recruitment's been reasonable. Uh, Mark O'Neill's come in to add some experience and Keegan Jackson. They've lost a couple of decent players, though, but for me, they start the season as favourites. They always are. Um, they play at Willows on the on the AstroTurf, and it helps them out, and they're a really hard side to beat, and Jim's got them really well drilled. And talking about Jim, he, he, he uh, told Michael when he talked to him that uh, they, they tried to stay in touch with the players and obviously encourage them to do their own fitness and whatnot in terms of online training and all that sort of thing. One interesting thing he told him is that one of the positives he takes from the COVID break is that they thought they were going to lose their top scorer, Rowan Peterkin. However, he ended up staying uh, due to those other activities not happening or something like that. Uh, that, that must be a big uh, get for ANU in that regard, especially if you think you're going to lose your best play- one of your best players and you don't. Yeah, huge for them to, to keep hold of Rowan Peterkin. Um, they've lost Ewan Peterkin. He's gone to Tuggerong United to add a little bit of uh, steel to their midfield. Um, but yeah, Rowan Peterkin played really well last year. He was one of a number that did. Chase Deans was was excellent for them again. I mean, the fact that they reached the Federation Cup or the FFA Cup qualifying semi-finals and were a missed penalty away from knocking out Canberra FC and getting to the final um, of that competition shows just how good a football side they are. And had there been promotions still in the NPL2 competition this season, they would have been putting their hands up as one of the sides that would be pushing for that. And talking about promotion, he, along with every everyone else, says they're disappointed with the decision of no promotion. However, he said they do understand the reasons that those, that those decisions were made. And, of course, their aim is to try and win the league and win the final as a club who competed so well last season. You think that's exactly what they're... Uh, the aims would be the season. Yeah, of course. I mean, they are the same every year for ANU. They've won the competition for what? It must be about five or six years in a row now. They've done really well. Um, you know, we're all disappointed that there's no promotion relegation this year, but it is what it is for this season. Um, hopefully, uh, it comes back in for the following year because it adds something to both competitions. And it's going to be hard for some of these clubs because I believe that they would have been recruiting for promotion. 
Um, so how they how they cope with this season is going to be interesting to note. But I think ANU, out of most of the clubs that are in this list that we'll talk about, are very well prepared. And second up, we have Brindabella Blues. Their coach for this season is Zoran Glovnich. And I also had a chat to their vice president, one of their VPs, Ryan Webeck. They finished ninth place last season on the table, which is which was last at that point. And this is Zoran's first season in charge of the Corwell Club. And I believe it's his first coaching job in 18 months since his tenure at Monaro. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Russ. And he previously coached Brindabella in 2007. He, I guess one of the main approaches for Zoran, he told me was he just wanted to have a fresh slate considering last season's uh, dif uh, difficult time, bringing new players and he's looking at bringing through the youth with the 18s. I'm assuming with Brindabella, they're gonna have a similar, it, it's sort of like a similar system to what we'll talk about last week with the WMPL sides, we, especially like Olympic and those sides who didn't do too well. Fresh slate, new players, they're not gonna be worried about what happened last season. I shouldn't think so. Uh, they started off incredibly well. We did a game in the FFA Cup qualifying. They were first up, they were 3-0 down to um, Narabunda after about an hour of that game and somehow turned that round and won 4-3. Um, after extra time, in, which was probably one of the most thrilling games we've done um, live on Bar TV this year, uh, in many any year, and it came first up last year. Look, it proved to be a flash in the pan for them. Unfortunately, um, it was more of a fact that they couldn't keep the goals out. They conceded uh, four or more on seven occasions last season, and that coupled with the fact that they couldn't find the net very often is why they finished in ninth place. Um, they've looked to try and change things. Um, Zoran's brought in you know, half a dozen or more new players and uh, he's lost a couple of, of, of his older heads and he's lost a couple of the more experienced guys, Premier League guys, um, who, sorry, guys who've had Premier League experience like Tom Hurst, Stephen Clark, Chris Ruiz, Jonathan Toole. Big losses, but as you said, bringing through some young players and you know, sometimes when you get rid of established players and you bring young players through, it breathes a whole new fresh air of life into the club and I think Zoran, as you said, with a fresh slate, um, they'll ride off last season as a learning curve and, and they'll get on with it. And Clug and Ruiz, they uh, told me, both went out with ACL injuries, which is two centre-backs going with ACL injuries. That's, uh, that's not uh, the best way to start the season. No, it's the core of their team, as we said. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the most experienced guys they've got in that side, and he was probably relying on those two experienced players to guide the young ones around the park with him. But, you know, they brought in some, some young talent. Uh, Mitch Kay, the goalkeeper as well, is, is a big inclusion for them. So we'll see what happens with, with them this season. I think they're going to be better than last year. Um, Zoran will have them very organised as well. He's that kind of coach. He certainly is. And he says the morale is said to be very good in the squad, especially since they all had the feeling that we're not going to be back to football. That's, that's exactly what he said, which makes a lot of sense. And I did hear that a few other times when I was talking to some other coaches as well. So everyone is rejoicing that we are back, of course. And he says their goal for the season is to obviously improve on last season's disappointing results, but he also wants to develop the young players through the 18s. And we are seeing this bit of... Uh, we, are, we are seeing this sort of um, promotion with the... Brindabella players with the MPL2 sides going through the 18s and then also of course with the women's who have the link with Monaro so it, do you think that's a good decision for them to start bringing through the youth? Well Kenny Alg, the president down at Brindabella he's got a really good team off the field there they've been doing some great things off the park and you know redeveloping that Coolwell Oval as well you know with dugouts and enclosing the field and 
gives it that proper feel of a proper little football ground down there now and they're getting the infrastructure right um, whether they can push that onto the field is the next thing for them uh, you know if we were talking promotion now would you say this squad is good enough to be promoted to Premier League probably not at the moment um, and if it was it would probably be too early for them if they did but they've got some lofty goals in mind and I believe that, you know, give them a few years, give them time to, to bed in and these young boys the chance to, to come on through. And I think they'll start to surprise a few of the bigger clubs. Indeed, a building process there at Brindabella this season. And another building process, we move on to Narabunda. Their coach is Jono Zalonado. I had a chat to one of their, their club captain and he also has several roles of the club, Alex Belpiero. They finished eighth place last season, which is second last, only accumulating two wins and two draws. Uh, of course, we mentioned they were supposed to have the match with ANU that was called off. Alex says that they were raring to go. They were in fantastic shape and great physical condition before the COVID bans. And he says that early preparation before everyone else actually has helped them in terms of the COVID break. He says mostly everyone's been in good condition. Yeah, much like uh, Brindabella, they, they were the, the opposite end of, of what Brindabella did last year. They were 3-0 up in that cup game and then they were looking like a really good football side and uh, it just fell apart for them. They've lost a lot of experience as well, a lot of their old heads in Matt Atkins, Dim Mialakis and Nick Mialakis as well. Um, but they brought in a lot of young boys as well. They brought in a lot of new players and that's going to give Jono something to work with. Again, you, you know, they finished eighth, but it's such a competitive division, MPL2. People, I think, don't understand quite how epic some of these games are. And we'll start to talk a bit later on about some of the other clubs that are in that competition that have had Premier League experience before. It's a really, really hard competition to be in. Um, and, you know, Narabunda themselves, they've, they've got some work to do, and Jono will be the first to admit that. Um, will they be a better side than last year? I happen to think they will be. And again, depending on where they finish in the table, they've got some ability to upset those sides bigger than them. I think it's important, again, uh, they need to score some goals. Um, they struggled a bit in front of goal last year. You mentioned Alex Belperi, a man of many talents. Uh, he was in between nets for them for quite a few games last year, wasn't he? And uh, he's a narrow-bander stalwart, and, and they rely on that at that club, and I think they're, they're going good places as well. And he said one of the issues I had last season was their squad depth. He, he believes that that was a big part of why they didn't do too well last season. So they've gone out and tried to add more depth, especially with the youngsters, and they're really... He said one of the main things he wants to do, especially since there's no especially since there is no promotion, is he wants to get the team ready. He wants to improve the team so next year they can possibly uh, challenge for that promotion or at least the top four. He said this is... He said he wants to see the positive in all these things, and that's the, the building curve. That's the kind of guy he is, I think, and I think, um, to his credit, that's what this season is going to be about. It's a short season. I mean, some of these clubs are looking at it going, OK, it's, it's a season we can't go up, so let's build for next season when we can and that's getting a solid foundation in base blooding some youngsters getting a system in place to play um, and getting more wins than the two that they've got if they don't win many games I don't think it'll be the end of the world for them um, but I happen to think they probably will win more than they did last year Moving on to O'Connor Knights now their coach Miro Tiranic I had a chat to the assistant and TD Alex Tiranic they came second on the 2019 table and they also came runners up in the final against ANU last season which you just mentioned uh, they also tied on points but uh, they were lost out to goal difference in terms of the premiership to White Eagles uh, and in terms of the whole promotion debate one of the clubs that you think would be most annoyed with that would be O'Connor because it is quite well known that they uh, invested heavily this season especially their, uh, their, their sponsors they went in and they tried to really push for this promotion 
and he Alex says that that has uh, really taken a bit of the wind out of their sails in terms of the uh, the morale before it, especially with in terms of the whole club. They were really raring to go. They spent a lot, and a lot of people were taking notice. I saw a lot of even a lot of the MPL one coaches I talked to. They they were really taking notice of O'Connor in this uh, off season. Oh, 100%. I mean, the squad that he's built there, Miro and Alex between them, they brought in some unbelievable talent from from uh, from the higher division. I mean, they, Robbie Dealey, before he uh, was injured, um, was a huge signing for them in, in the middle of the park. Alan Gaston, who played with the Tigers for a number of years. Dylan Glover and Jordan Glover, both had experience at Tuggerlong United. Ian Graham, um, who's played many, many games for Canberra FC, would have added add something to that midfield. Nico Kresic and Pat O'Rourke, both very talented footballers. They link up with people like Josip Yardrich in that squad and, and, and that's a Premier League squad you look at it and you look at those names and you think could you put them out in the Premier League every week yes you could 100% would they get results yes they would and they're backed by a, a vociferous and, and large um, army of support and they're a great club to, to go and watch it's a match day experience at O'Connor um, as it is at a couple of other clubs there and yeah they were building for promotion this year question is can as you say keep the morale going this year can they then keep all their players happy and fit and ready to go for next year when they will be really pushing for for that top spot and a place in mpl one and in terms of some of the people that are in the squad that can't play anymore he said that tom olsen has an acl injury and he couldn't actually get that fixed because it wasn't a, it was an elective surgery so as as you all know if, even if uh, listeners out there I, I was one of them as well people who uh, had to get their uh, wisdom teeth out you couldn't get that because that was an elective surgery uh, so stuff like that but also stuff like acls you couldn't do it for so he's actually just going in this month i believe he told me so uh best of luck to him in that regard and yeah he said Obviously, they still want to go out and they still want to prove how strong the squad is and they, they will be one of the favourites to win the tournament. However, he did stress how uh, there is a bit of a subdued feeling without the promotion and also he just feels like they're sort of just going through the motions and playing friendlies at this point in time, which is a bit of a different approach to what everyone else has taken. But that just proves how passionate they were with in terms of the support. Look, I mean, they, I should mention also they picked up Dean Tomeski as well, who's a good signing for them. He had a, a spell with Monero last year in the Premier League too. Um, look, they're going to say that, um, and their players might feel that, but as soon as that whistle goes on the 18th of July and matches are starting to be played competitively four points, um, I think they'll find that that disappears. Um, there are too many players in that side are, are proven winners and won't want to be going through the motions. Um, they'll go out there and think, well, here's a chance for us to lay down our marker for this season to get to the finals and maybe even win the thing and then next season they'll probably um, you know increase their squad depth again and build an even stronger squad and push on from there I think they're, they're up there with their new as one of the favourites and of course winning is the best way to keep everyone invested in the squad that is Definitely for sure, isn't it, Russ? It's a it's a Connor Knights. I mean, they they're not going to be happy if they lose football matches. They're not, not at any stage. I mean, they're not going to go out there and and uh, be half half hearted about anything because they're just not in their nature. Um, you know, they've they've got a storied history. They've got a history of winning games in the Premier League as well. And you know, I always like going to watch O'Connor Knights because it's it feels like a proper football football game to go and watch when they're playing. And and that's one of the the great shines about the MPL too a lot of these clubs have a lot of history in uh, the top competition in Canberra and they're really looking to get back there so it's anyone that hasn't really watched MPL 2 too much they're all going to be on VAR TV Sport I highly suggest you watch this competition it is going to be they're going to be absolute cracker cracker matches and uh, I certainly can't wait to get out to some of these games it's going to be fantastic 
Yeah, we're going to be talking to us about some other clubs in a moment, but the three we've met, uh, four we've mentioned already, all decent football sides that they'll try and play. And what you find at MPL too is that is that you do get a lot of of people going to watch games, a lot of supporters that have the heritage of the club at heart, um, um, which maybe is missing sometimes in MPL one. But these guys are really keen to show that they can mix it. Our local FFA Cup qualifying competition has seen some upsets over the years with these MPL2 clubs knocking out MPL1 clubs. We saw it with ANU last year. We've seen it down the, down the track as well in the past. So, yeah, it's well worth a watch. A lot of passion as well uh, with these a lot of these MPL2 clubs and their supporters, that's for sure. Now now we are on to Queanbeyan City FC. Their coach is Luca Ujda, and they finished fourth on the 2019 table, lost in the preliminary finals. Michael talked to their president, Zoran. He, along with everyone else, is of, of course disappointed about these, about the COVID ban and no promotion and whatnot. A goal, a goal for them was to, when they returned to training with the 10 peoples, to make it as effective as possible in the short amount of time. He said, this, he, said this, he said there's still a bit of work to do. However, he believes they are in good enough shape to have a good crack this season. What do you think about Queen FC this season? Russ? Queen City will be Queen City. They're always hard to beat. They're a tough team to play against, and they're going to be there or thereabouts come finals time because they always are. Um, they've recruited reasonably well. Uh, they were missing goals last year. I thought they struggled in the final third a little bit. Um, they've added Goran Mukeski, who used to play for Balcony United and Tagranong, to that squad. So he will. They will hope Luca will. Luca Uda will hope that he provides the goals to help them kick on to uh, getting past the elimination final where they were knocked out last year. Um, they're always a tough nut to crack. They're always a difficult team to play against, especially in in Queanbeyan. Uh, they're going to be one of the decent, one of the top four sides again, possibly this year. Uh, you think they will be able to? They've lost a few players. They've lost the experience of Goran Josovowski and uh, David McCarran and goalkeeper Jack Miller, but they've recruited um, as well as I said, Mokevski. They brought in Jonathan Kurzberg as well, and uh, um, Frederico. I don't know anything about him, but he's on the list. Um, and uh, yeah, interesting to see what they do this year. And they will still be playing at Riverside, I believe. Were they expecting the? High Street Oval to be finished, or was that? That was the plan. Yeah. Whether or not COVID has put that to bed, so I don't know what's been happening off there. I mean, as far as I'm aware, if they do get to play at the Riverside, that's great because the surface is brilliant for them. And it's a great facility out there now. It's a really good uh, football venue to go and watch from. Um, I'm an advocate for that venue being used for finals football at some stage because under lights at the Riverside with the facilities they've got there now, it's a it's a really good stadium to go and watch football matches. If they can fix the uh, High Street pitch up. Um, needs a bit of work. Last time I played on it wasn't great, um, but it, it needs a bit of work on it. But if they were they were working on it, if it is ready, um, they can turn that into a fortress. Uh, look, either way, wherever they play in New South Wales, they're a tough tough team to beat, and they build their game on being physical and being strong and and getting in your face. And I don't think it'll be any different this year, but um, they'll be a challenger. Indeed, and. Uh Riverside, there's a great walk just behind there, and I, I went there and I had a look. I'm just like, geez, that pitch looks good. Remember, we were when we were. I remember when we were doing the uh, the MPLW game. That pitch was very shaky, very up and down with the the trots and the grass. But now it looks fantastic, absolutely fantastic, isn't it? Oh, it looks brilliant. They, they've done a lot of work to credit to Monero Panthers and Queenie City Council for putting the effort in to upgrade the floodlights, upgrade the playing service, upgrade the 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 um, clubhouse building that's there now. I mean. There's not many better views in football than on the top of that that clubhouse when you're commentating or watching um, around at the moment. And the and the deck is is really good. We, I went out there on Thursday to watch the um, preseason friendly, and it was playing flat, and and it and it allows footballers to play football on it, which is what you want. 
And uh, but I guess the allure for Queanbeyan City in terms of high street is it's it's a bit of their spiritual home. Uh, like in terms of Riverside's more of Manara's spiritual home. Theirs is a uh, high street. So once that's ready, I'm sure they'll be absolutely raring to go on it. Look, it's only uh, one of my misplaced shots away from Riverside anyway, <laughs> so it's not too far away, is it? Okay, now next up we have Wagga City Wanderers. Their coach is Michael Babbage. They finished sixth on the 2019 table. This is Michael's first season in charge of the senior side while he spent previous two seasons coaching their academy squads. They're very big on their academy teams over there in Wagga from men's and women's. Nothing changes. Uh, he wants. He has a talked to me a little bit about his style of play. He wants to play a bit of a open attacking play, which involves a lot of movement off the, on and off the ball. Hence, a lot of uh, the preseason involved a lot of fitness, uh, and he really started to begin with that style of play. So pre-COVID was mostly fitness, uh, which sort of left him with no choice. Post-COVID was all tactics and less fitness. Uh, so he got them to do that in the off-season, and so instead of no real individual drills. He, uh, he really wanted to keep the, obviously, like everyone else, keep those players on top of their game once they came back. So, Russ, what are your thoughts on Wagga City Wanderers this season? Well, a new coach brings new ideas and fresh faces, and uh, not so much in the uh, youth category where I was looking at the ins, but two names really jumped out at me, mainly because uh, I know one of them really well. Um, Matt Mensah, who was a, a stalwart for Tuggerong United for many, many years. When I first came over to play, he was playing for Tuggerong United, and uh, he's been around in um, many Premier League teams in Canberra, played for Canberra Olympic, had a spell at the Panthers as well, if I'm not mistaken. He's moved into state and he's decided to put his hand up and play MPL 2 this year. And his addition um, is going to make a big difference to uh, Michael Babich's team, alongside that of Carl Pedeski, who's another player who has incredible skills, lots of ability. They're both getting on a bit now, so they're not quite as quick as they used to be. But if you can find a position for both those guys and fill it around them with young, willing runners with a bit of talent, then they could go a long way. Um, Main problem with Wagga City, again, is, is the travel. Travel takes a lot out of you. It's a long way to go for a game of football um, and you know to get yourself up for that, especially if a couple of the early season results go against you. Um, it's hard to motivate your players. With Michael Babich and some new talent in there, they maybe won't have that weariness about them. Um, I'm looking forward again to see what they can bring. But it, as we mentioned about missing Southern Tableland, it's great that Wagga City are able to put a team out on the, on the park this year. Um, they'll they'll provide plenty of entertainment when they do so, and you know for for away for away trips, it's always nice to have a little bit of a road trip for an away match, isn't it? It certainly is, and we saw this with when we we're talking about the MPLW last season. It's great to see that uh, someone like Wagga are able to attract players from outside the region to play for them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a look. It's a testament to what they're doing down there. I mean, got to be honest. I've only I haven't seen them play uh, in Wagga. I did a cup game where they played White Eagles in Cootamundra, um, but they seemed like a really close-knit group, and um, you must be doing something right if you can attract people to travel many miles to come and play in your setup um, when you know, you're talking hours in the car. and they, They've got, they've always, like you said, they pride themselves on the fact that they've got a good academy there. They've done that with that women's team. They've got it with their men's team as well. They're going to push on again. The key for them is making sure that they bring those academy players through into first-grade football and give them the opportunity really hard for them because they lose players when they get to certain ages to university and you know the sydney or you know the bright lights of canberra but you know let's hope for for football's sake that they can they can play better than they did last year and improve on their sixth place finish and babbage said uh, their goal this season is to make the finals and like you mentioned bleed in the youth from the academies and he says overall the overarching goal of the club is to be in MPL1 in the next few seasons while bringing through their youth. So they've got a clear vision at Wagga and the best of luck to them. 
Okay, now next up we have Western Malonglo. Their coach is Ned Jeans. He, they finished fifth last, uh, fifth last season. So just off the top four. Uh, this is Ned's first season of Canberra football as he moved here from Townsville for work. He was originally set to be the assistant, except he ended up becoming the coach just before COVID. He says they have a lot, a lot to build on and the team is really raring to go, especially since they only just missed out on the final four last season. Ned says one of the his aims was to bring in players with a different sort of experience, so players from outside of Canberra, and they uh, so and especially players that Canberra haven't seen before, so they can have a little bit of an edge. And so he's brought in Cameron Sainer from Darwin and Bryce Ruthven from Melbourne. He he says they are players to look out for. Russ. Well, you might hear Bryce. He's on, I think, one of 4.7. He's one of the radio presenters, so you might hear him chatting around, and we might even see if we can get him on some WMPL for us this season. I'm sure he did some commentary down in in, uh, in Victoria as well. So they're good to look. They're two-tier players to look out for. They've even got a bit of South American flair with Colombian Juan Mancia in that squad. And apologies if I pronounce that incorrectly. They brought in uh, Cameron Sane, as you mentioned, from Darwin um, as well. And... Uh, uh, Ned himself comes from the Townsville Premier League side, Guru United. So a whole host of players and, and um, coaching staff from interstate, which gives them a whole fresh new feel. Last year, like you said, missed out just on finals football. Um, they're, they're a tough nut to play against Western Malonglo. They're going to go have a look at them maybe next week. They're playing Woden Western um, in a friendly match at Melrose on Saturday. So that'll give them an indication of where they stand in terms of um, the Premier League and give an indication of these young players and these new players what they need to do to get up if they're going to aim for promotion. Uh, it's going to be a tough year for them, for Ned as well. It's always difficult when you go to a new club, but like most of these clubs in this competition, it's a fresh slate, and we don't know what we're going to get post-COVID. So, you know, all the best to Ned and his group of players, and uh, you know, at least he's brought some players from uh, Melbourne where it's a bit colder. Um, you know, boys from Darwin and Townsville and Columbia <laughs> might not quite like the Canberra weather. Well, I was about to say, I mean, everyone says that about Melbourne, isn't it? But I, I feel like Melbourne is just as cold as Canberra. Absolutely, which, yeah, is, why exactly. he's, uh, which is why he's brought the two boys in. They're, they're acclimatised already. Uh, because when I talked to Ned, he, I said, oh, yeah, how do you like Canberra so far? It's like, cold, just cold. I said, well, at least you can say that people from Melbourne, and uh, they can't really say that because I feel it's just as cold. But, I've been to Melbourne when it's been cold. It's, yeah. it's, it is just as bad there. And they're going, oh, I heard it's cold in Canberra. I'm like, it's, trust me, it's just as cold here. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... Um, he, he said he he said also told me that COVID wasn't also bad because it really uh, in terms of the ten people trains because he really got to focus on individual skills which is saying he wanted to get to anyway and he says the aim for this team for the team this season is to finish in the top four preferably top two and three and fight for the title when considering they finished fifth. With the new additions, it's very well a possibility, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, there's no reason why any of these clubs can't. In a short season, you get a good start, you get momentum behind you, and then there's nothing stopping you building on that momentum. The, the key is not to let it go the other way. You lose the first couple, then you, it's really hard to get your, your season kicked off. Every club is going to be kicking um, and screaming in that first round, which means that I think their first game of the season away at Narrabunda is going to be crucial for both of those sides to get them off on the right foot. And next up, we have... White Eagles, which is coached by the experienced Graham Plath. They finished first last season in the regular table and they lost in the preliminary finals. And I believe that's that was also White Eagles' first title in eight years. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it is something along the lines of that. Yeah, they, uh, jumped, they jumped big style in the last round of the season and didn't look like they were going to win it. Results went their way. And... 
Uh, Graham uh, was also one of the more disappointed ones in terms of promotion, just like everyone else. He also believes uh, conditioning is one of the main aspects of training that they've been focusing on, especially he, he made a mention of when it's cold in Canberra, a lot of these players in MPL 2 have been there and done that in MPL 1, and you can't, uh, they can only train twice a week, so you really don't want them to just stand around. You really want them to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Talking about that, just to go off topic just a little bit, I've been reading uh, Gianluca Vialli's book. He used to play for uh, Chelsea, Juventus, and Sampdoria, and he was comparing the Italian and English game, and he said, he was also, in his research, he was told, in England, one of the reasons why it was a more direct game at first is because it's a lot colder up there and it's the wind is uh, very big up there. So the belief originally was for, you've got to keep them moving, you've got to keep them moving, you've got to keep them moving. That's why it's traditionally uh, a lot quicker in in that regard. Do you, do, you, do you believe that someone that comes from England? Sorry, I had to ask now that I thought of it. Oh, mate, it was freezing when I played over there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, anyone that's seen me play would suggest I don't <laughs> run very much anyway, so it clearly didn't do me any harm. Uh, look, it's, it's an interesting theory. He would know he's played at the top level. Um, I, think, I think, to be honest, most of it comes down to the fact that the lower down you go, the worse the pitches are because the weather's terrible. And when you've got surfaces which back in the day were, were mud patches, it's really hard to play any cohesive kind of football on that, which is probably why they went a bit more direct and a bit more quicker to try and get people out of position. You know, as, as the pitches improve, as the players improve, um, you know, you get a better style of football. But I'm not entirely convinced the weather would have been a, a massive factor for him. But, you know, look, that's another topic for another day. And I think uh, it's a good book. I've read it as well. It's, it's well worth a look. Is that, and in that, he actually talked, he, he, he dispelled that rumor in terms of the actual coldness. He said it was more to do with the wind. Which made which, yeah, which yeah, made sense. I, in I, his could, I could guess. So, I mean, some of the, the some of the old grounds before they've been re, rebuilt, um, they had the four distinct stands, and the the wind would come howling through the sides and yeah, make it really difficult for you. And it was pretty cold. <laughs> yeah, I just had to ask you that since I uh, definitely read that book. Uh, it's a it's a great book in that regard. He, go, he goes very 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 thoughtful book. Goes it's not just about his playing career. It's all about the little aspects, coaching, refereeing, everything. It is a fantastic book. I definitely uh, suggest that. Now, in terms of uh, the harmony of the team, he said he really wants to keep that in top notch. Not that it isn't already, but he feels like the harmony of the team is really what makes White Eagles a draw, uh, especially to keep retaining their players. And he also wanted to give a shout out to their 23s. He thinks they've got a lot of great young talent up there. They play a really good game and he's really looking forward to some of these players coming up uh, in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I watched them on Thursday. Um, uh, it was a, st a performance from White Eagles where, you know, they've, this is their first game back after, after COVID. They've all come off a hard day's work and, you know, you don't read too much into those kind of performances. I look at more, more so look at some of the players that they've got, that they've brought in. They've lost some experience in the likes of Callum Beaton, um, David Kemp, um, and also the top goal scorer from last year, Zinal Abedin Al-Jamudi. Uh, losing him as well is a big blow for them. But, but Graham is an astute coach. Um, a cerebral kind of manager he likes to think about the game and he's recruited quite well and to replace them some of the names he's brought in will be familiar to most people that watch football locally Chris, Chris Nikitas and Mitch Steenbergen for example have both played Premier League football um, he's picked up Ryan Brose the goalkeeper from America that Monero Panthers had on their books originally um, Jimmy Canaridis uh, decided at the end of the day that he didn't quite fit the style they were looking for so it's a good pick up that for White Eagles and they've also picked up and, you, and bear with me on this one, Hassan Al-Nawaisi, 
I'm not entirely sure if I pronounced that correctly. Probably better than my, what my pronunciation would be. So. <laughs> well, give it a go. I'm sure if we, when we do White Eagles later in the season, we'll get that correct for you. But, I'm, uh, but I watched him a little bit on, on Thursday, and he, he's got some good touch about him, some good movement as well. So they've got a good squad again. Um, they were unlucky to not get to the grand final last year, lost in the preliminary final um, to uh, O'Connor in, in, a, in a cracking match. Uh, but Graham Plath will be really keen to get his team up aboard. Again, much like O'Connor, they've built a side for promotion to the MPL and a side that they're going to strengthen over the next year. Exactly. More evidence that this is definitely a competition to watch out for in Canberra football. While chatting to him, he brought up a very interesting um, sort of uh, quandary that he, he felt he was really thinking. He's just like, especially with this small season, he, he, he questioned whether he should have a bigger squad which would mean less players would get injured, especially since a lot of people haven't, haven't played in the last couple of months, uh, except half the players wouldn't play. Or have a, a thinner squad where everyone plays and the morale probably will be higher, however you risk it. So what, what do you think about the, that in The that quandary of, of being yeah. a head coach, isn't it, really? It's, I mean, it's, 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 it's a yeah. really hard one, isn't it? Because you look, at it, you look at it from the bigger picture and you look at it and you go, well, I need a big squad. I need to be able to cover injuries if I get them. But... How do you keep these people happy? I think everybody needs to get on the phone to Marcel Munoz um, because he's the master of it. He's got a great squad over at Gungahlin in NPL1 and how he keeps them all happy when they're not all playing every week is one of life mysteries. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a quandary. I happen to think that you probably have, uh, you run with about 16, 17 players maybe um, and then you fill in the rest from the under-23s and, you know, you, you can make your decisions then. If you get one or two injuries, you just have to ride it like everybody else. It, it certainly is a quandary in that regard. Graham says his go uh, side's goal is to retain the premiership and go one step further this year and make it to the final and win the final. And also, we must mention the Eagles burgers. <laughs> and you can't go through a White Eagles game without mentioning an Eagles burger from one of the best in Canberra. If you get the chance to go to a White Eagles home game, treat yourself. Yeah, all, all, all my friends that have been around the uh, White Eagles when. If Michael's here, he'll tell you the same thing. He's uh, played for White for White Eagles a bit in state league, and he's, he he absolutely loves their burgers. That's a that's a big part of the, part of them. Everyone that plays before they sit down, eat a Eagles burger, watch the game, and that's a part of the passion that uh, a lot of these MPL two sides have. Oh, they get a big crowd to their matches. They enjoy it there. They've got their little shots of rakia as well that go around, and it's yeah, it's 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 a real experience to go to White Eagles game and. You know, credit to um, to the the players that've been stalwarts there for years. Like people like Dan Sandtrack back there now as well. Um, does a great job. How could I forget the Rakia? How can I forget that? It was probably the first thing I was told about uh, the White Eagles games. It's the key to MPL too. Keeping the keeping the media happy with good food and drink. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, we have Yulgali FC, which took up the license of the Riverina Rhinos. Now, interestingly enough, uh, Coach Luke Santolin told me a part of the Riverina Rhinos, he reckons about 70% of the plays were made up from Yulgali because since they were in two different competitions, they could sign up separately. One would play on one day, one would play on another day. I would assume, uh, first up, they uh, did decently well in that first season in 2017, but I would assume part of the reason why they struggled to field the 23s, or sorry, 20s last season, the season before, would have been that dual... They were struggling to, to find players, especially for the 23s. I'd assume that would have something to do with that dual relationship they had in that regard. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, look, I think that they, they want to distance themselves from the Riverina Rhinos as much as they can. I mean, even though most of the players will be similar, um, we've got a, a lot of new players in. They, they've won 
they've won the local Griffith competition four years in a row, so they're no mugs. Um, and Luke Santolin has been is been around himself as well. NPR one, he knows what it's about with the rhinos. He knows the perils of the travel that we've mentioned already with Wagger and uh, um, Southern Tablelands, and it's the same for Ugali as well. They brought Joe Priest in. Um, one of the outsiders that wasn't playing for them last year and he was the captain of the, that Rhinos team and one of their most impressive players um, and they've picked up a couple of uh, players from overseas Danny Roach and Kelvin Roddy from uh, Scotland and Ireland respectively I understand and uh, Luke tells me well, they're from, from Scotland and Ireland so they must be able to play uh, Yes, the spiritual home of football, isn't it? Yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day they'll be used to the cold coming from those places and... Uh, I like Again, it's one of those clubs you want to see do well. And, you, and I must point out, do not call them Ugali FC. They're Ugali SC. SC. There's a difference between them. Um, I've already been slapped across the wrists by telling them by calling them Ugali FC. And they're, they're probably, there is a Ugali FC and a Ugali SC, and they're completely different um, entities. I, I believe the rivalry is quite intense. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be good to see them in the competition again. It's going to be a good road trip for people. Looking forward to that um, interstate Derby, if you like, against Wagga City as well. That should be for some bragging rights um, in that area. Uh, but you know, can they can they bring the best aspects of the Rhinos Premier League team to a successful club like that and become a successful in MPL two? Can't see why not. Um, if they can again get the squad numbers correct, get the right players travelling, get the momentum behind them, and you know, Luke Sandlin's a positive lad, um, and he'll have them all um, singing off the same hymn sheet, so to speak. Well, yeah, you did mention they, they've won the last four, so they are quite successful. They have a lot of local talent. Let's let's see if that uh, that translates in that regard. And they also have some experience in Canberra competitions, Luke said, so uh, it isn't completely foreign to the whole club, to the club as a whole. He said one of the main challenges that they had in terms of preparing to come to Canberra was in terms of growing the list uh, for both squads, MPL 2 and MPL 2 under 23s. He said they grew, once they uh, put their mind to it, they grew the list by double, something like 36 players overall for all the squads, which uh, works quite well for them. He obviously took the 10 people training as a work of, uh, to work on fitness and individual drills, just like the other clubs. And he said the aim for them this season is to compete. He wants to stress that they're not here to make up their numbers and they really want to prove that they can play football I think he's spot on I mean you look at the setup that they've got there and the backing that they've got down in that town and, and they're probably in, in a better position than the Riverina Rhinos were when they came in um, they've got players they've got Premier League experience they've got a lot of quality and a lot of talent there and yeah there's no reason why they can't they can't kick on and and as you said they're not making up the numbers they'll be a tough nut to beat they certainly will be and that wraps up us for MPL 2 now Russ, uh, you've, I've heard you've been a bit busy. Everyone thinks you're just uh, all about, uh, you know, MPL, Canberra football, MPL, Canberra football, MPL, Canberra football, but you have been writing a book. Certainly have, yeah, in association with um, Andy Burnell. We've been uh, working on his autobiography, uh, Riding Shotgun. Uh, for those of you that don't know Andy, Andy was a pioneer of, of uh, Australian footballers going overseas, first Australian to play in Spain. He played in the UK as well, and he's... Uh, had his ups and downs and his life is a real roller coaster of a story and um, you know you might think you know the Andy Bennell story you probably know about 20% of it and this book hopefully will fill you in the other 80% and I can guarantee you it's 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 a thrill ride uh, there's some incredible stories in there of his life there's some he's been um, around 
uh, everywhere and anywhere that you'd know. And uh, if you haven't heard the name, he's David Beckham. He was David Beckham's operations manager in Madrid. He was there when Beckham was on deck. Um, every single um, day for the first three or four months that he was there. It's an incredible story and I've been privileged that Andy's trusted me to help him work on, on something that's obviously very close to his heart and he doesn't shy away from the, from the difficult parts of his life, which, of which there's been a fair few, um, but credit to him, he's put his hands up, he's owned those and uh, um, hopefully uh, we're, we're close to getting um, finished and you know we'll, we'll want it in all good bookshops and publications before Christmas and make sure it's in your stocking. I'm definitely looking forward to reading it. I'm also looking forward to having you and Andy talking about it on the show, especially if you have him on Facebook. He's always dropping previews and pictures and this and that. Very, very interesting of people he's, he's met. I saw there was a bit about, I'm not sure if you met him, but he was talking about, oh, you would have, yeah, Stefano and yeah. all these sort of players, and it was just absolutely it's amazing. A, it's a viral marketing campaign that Andy's all over. <laughs> he, he, you know, the, it's, it's an incredible story. You, you name a footballer that's played in uh, Real Madrid, um, and he's met him or he's been to a party with him or, you know, he knows all about him. And there's some incredible stories in there. You know, at heart, though, it's a story about a young lad that had a dream from Canberra that's been able to, through his own hard work and dedication, um, get himself into, uh, you know, the the um, the uh, Spanish La Liga and then move on to the UK and play for Nottingham Forest and Ipswich Town when Ipswich Town were a decent side back in the 80s. And under Brian Clough. And under Brian Clough, yeah. He actually, there's a story in the book, I won't ruin it for you, about how he got that trial with Brian awesome. Clough. It's an incredible story. Um, and then, you know, had his adversity, went back, played for a Reading team that was so close to the Premiership. He lost in a playoff final. Um, they were so close to going up to the Premier League. And But yeah, local boy made good, um, I guess. And uh, was a product of the Bell West Juniors and Narrabunda, or what they were before then, Lions or Turner. Yeah, indeed, and I saw he posted that photo of uh, when he was 15 years old. He made the Narrabunda team. My dad was also in that team, actually. Um, so he brought it up. He was uh, he, he loved seeing that, and he was uh, he's intrigued to see the story as well. Especially he, he's, he loves reading about the Narrabunda stuff. They had a very good team back then, and he was centre back correctly uh, when he first started with Narrabunda. He was born yeah, centre back. Uh, yeah, he's um, look, and he's and he's uh, he played fullback for most of his professional career, but he, he's a decent centre back as well. I think the good thing about about his story is that it is something that people in Canberra can look at and go, look, you know, he, he's been pivotal as well. And when we do talk about this later in the book, we're about moves for Tim Cahill and Tom Roderick and Carl Valeri um, as well, uh, working in the, his agency side of the project as well. Um, so yeah, it's 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 an incredible story. It's it's. Um, They'd say truth is stranger than fiction, and I found that when I was helping him write this, some of the stuff you wouldn't believe. Um, but it'll be out soon. It's called Riding Shotgun. Um, and with myself and Andy, hopefully we'll get Andy in here and he can talk to you about his career. And um, we've had some really good feedback from overseas as well. People from the UK really interested in, in reading about his story too. So fingers crossed we're in the final stages of putting that together. And uh, you know, as soon as we get it done, we'll let you guys know and we can come on and give it a bit of promotion. I can, yeah, I cannot wait to read it, especially with the uh, the overseas stuff he talks about and and the local stuff he talks about. It's a great mix, and he's been very involved with uh, local, some of the local plays recently as well with uh, Leo Matzis. He got him his uh, good trial over there in Celtic, and and some other players uh, he's got to the A League and whatnot so far. So he has a a big influence over Canberra football still today. Yeah, I think Andy Andy looks at it this way. He's he looks at it that he's got players that um, he looks at players that have ability but there's they need more than that you need more than that to succeed and that's where you know having someone like him who's achieved that look at you is a lot different to, to perhaps an agent who's not played the game um you know so he's he's had his moments and uh 
you know, we're pretty certain that where we're going at the moment with this is going to be pretty exciting. And he's a well into his UFC now as well because his daughter's married to um, Dan Hooker. Um, they're pretty pretty talented New Zealand UFC fighter. Um, so he's into that too as well. So yeah, if you want an interesting read, um, you know, and we're plugging it shamelessly because because we wrote, I wrote it. So uh, feel free to jump on board. Like I'm sure everyone will. Uh look forward to reading it now thank you very much for us for coming on uh and i look forward to next week our last podcast before the season starts yeah there's some matches going on next saturday as well there's um if you're interested in in the local premier league you want to get out and have a look at some games um saturday canberra fc play and you at deakin kickoff time to be confirmed there gungarland united against the tigers at southwell park at three o'clock will be an interesting one and um, Woden western as i mentioned earlier play western malonga melrose at two um, and a couple of fixtures on Sunday, Tuggeranong versus White Eagles at Canberra, three at two o'clock. And a uh, pretty exciting one, Canberra Olympic play Gungarland United at O'Connor at three o'clock as well. So some all the, all the teams in action, the final hitter, if you like, before the season starts, an opportunity for players to put their hands up and get in. And, uh, you know, this time in, in a fortnight, we'll have seen round one. We certainly will, and we are all raring to go get ready for football. Like I said, next week on the show, we will break down MPL 1, MPL 2, and MPLW, the first round fixtures, and we'll bring uh, some more opinions from uh, other coaches and other people in the Canberra game. We are really looking forward to it once again. Thank you very much, Russ, for coming on. Next week, Michael should be back with us, and we look forward to bringing you the best in Canberra football. Thank you very much.